Section five of Notes on Nursing by Florence Nightingale. The Slipper Rocks recording is in the public domain. Section five Variety To any but an old nurse or an old patient, the degree would be quite inconceivable to which the nerves of the sick suffer from seeing the same walls, the same ceiling, the same surroundings during a long confinement to one or two rooms. The superior cheerfulness of persons suffering severe paroxysms of pain over that of persons suffering from nervous stability has often been remarked upon, and attributed to the enjoyment of the former of their intervals of respite. I incline to think that the majority of cheerful cases is to be found among those patients who are not confined to one room, whatever their suffering, and that the majority of depressed cases will be seen among those subjected to a long monotony of objects about them. The nervous frame really suffers as much from this as the digestive organs from long monotony of diet, as, for example, the soldier from his twenty-one years boiled beef. The effect in sickness of beautiful objects, a variety of objects, and especially of brilliancy of colour, is hardly at all appreciated. Such cravings are usually called the fancies of patients. And often, doubtless, patients have fancies, as, for example, when they desire two contradictions. But much more often, their so-called fancies are the most valuable indications of what is necessary for their recovery, and it would be well if nurses would watch these so-called fancies closely. I have seen in fevers, and felt, when I was a fever patient myself, the most acute suffering produced from the patient, in a hut, not being able to see out of window, and the knots in the wood being the only view. I shall never forget the rapture of fever patients over a bunch of bright-coloured flowers. I remember in my own case a nosegay of wild flowers being sent me, and from that moment recovery becoming more rapid. People say the effect is only on the mind. It is no such thing. The effect is on the body, too. Little as we know about the way in which we are affected by form, by colour, and light, we do know this, that they have an actual physical effect. Variety of form and brilliancy of colour in the objects presented to patients are actual means of recovery. But it must be slow variety. That is, if you show a patient ten or twelve engravings successively, ten to one that he does not become cold and faint, or feverish, or even sick, but hang one up opposite him, one on each successive day, or week, or month, and he will revel in the variety. The folly and ignorance which reign too often supreme over the sick-room cannot be better exemplified than by this. While the nurse will leave the patient stewing in a corrupting atmosphere, the best ingredient of which is carbonic acid, she will deny him, on the plea of unhealthiness, a glass of cut flowers, or a growing plant. Now, no one ever saw overcrowding by plants in a room or ward, and the carbonic acid they give off at nights would not poison a fly. Nay, in overcrowded rooms, they actually absorb carbonic acid and give off oxygen. 
cut flowers also decompose water and produce oxygen gas. It is true there are certain flowers, for example lilies, the smell of which is said to depress the nervous system. These are easily known by the smell, and can be avoided. Volumes are now written and spoken upon the effect of the mind upon the body. Much of it is true. But I wish a little more was thought of the effect of the body on the mind. You who believe yourselves overwhelmed with anxieties, but are every day able to walk up Regent Street, or out in the country, to take your meals with others in other rooms, etc., etc., you little know how much your anxieties are thereby lightened. You little know how intensified they become to those who can have no change, how the very walls of their sick-rooms seem hung with their cares, how the ghosts of their troubles haunt their beds, how impossible it is for them to escape from a pursuing thought without some help from variety. A patient can just as much move his leg when it is fractured as change his thoughts when no external help from variety is given him. This is, indeed, one of the main sufferings of sickness, just as the fixed posture is one of the main sufferings of the broken limb. It is an ever-recurring wonder to see educated people, who call themselves nurses, acting thus. They vary their own objects, their own employments, many times a day, and while nursing some bedridden sufferer, they let him lie there, staring at a dead wall, without any change of object to enable him to vary his thoughts, and it never even occurs to them, at least to move his bed so that he can look out of window. No, the bed is always to be left in the darkest, dullest, remotest part of the room. I think it is a very common error among the well to think that, with a little more self-control, the sick might, if they choose, dismiss painful thoughts which aggravate their disease, etc. Believe me, almost any sick person who behaves decently well exercises more self-control every moment of his day than you will ever know till you are sick yourself. Almost every step that crosses his room is painful to him. Almost every thought that crosses his brain is painful to him and if he can speak without being savage, and look without being unpleasant, he is exercising self-control. Suppose you have been up all night, and, instead of being allowed to have your cup of tea, you were to be told that you ought to exercise self-control. What should you say? Now the nerves of the sick are always in the state that yours are in, after you have been up all night. We will suppose the diet of the sick to be cared for. Then, this state of nerves is most frequently to be relieved by care in affording them a pleasant view, a judicious variety as to flowers and pretty things. Light, by itself, will often relieve it. The craving for the return of day, which the sick so constantly evince, is generally nothing but the desire for light, the remembrance of the relief which a variety of objects before the eye affords to the harassed sick mind. Again, every man and every woman has some amount of manual employment, excepting a few fine ladies who do not even dress themselves, and who are virtually in the same category as to nerves as the sick. Now you can have no idea of the relief which manual labour is to you, 
of the degree to which the deprivation of manual employment increases the peculiar irritability from which many sick suffer. A little needlework, a little writing, a little cleaning, would be the greatest relief the sick could have, if they could do it. These are the greatest relief to you, though you do not know it. Reading, although it is often the only thing the sick can do, is not this relief. Bearing this in mind, bearing in mind that you have all these varieties of employment which the sick cannot have, bear also in mind to obtain for them all the varieties which they can enjoy. I need hardly say that I am well aware that excess in needlework, in writing, in any other continuous employment, will produce the same irritability that defect in manual employment, as one cause, produces in the sick. End of section 5